On the show today, federal lawmakers are considering two bills to make unsubscribing from free trials easier and to restrict the use of stingrays. Colorado is set to become the third state to enact a statewide privacy law. A new survey shows that paying up when hit by ransomware only brings more ransomware attacks. Just in time for Prime Day, our Scam of the Day discusses several Amazon scams you should be aware of. And today's tip teaches you how you can deal with cookies in your web browser. All of that and more is coming up on the June 21st, 2021 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have five stories on the news beat for you today. We begin in Washington, where U.S. lawmakers are considering a bill that would make it easier for people to unsubscribe from free trials before being charged a subscription fee. Under the Unsubscribe Act, companies would be prohibited from converting free trials into subscriptions longer than one month, and they would be required to notify you before the subscription ends. The law would also require companies to provide a simple way to cancel a free trial. While it's not specific on what that would mean, the general sense among lawmakers is that companies would have to allow you to cancel in the same way they allowed you to sign up. So if you signed up on the website, as you do with most free trials, the company would have to allow you to cancel the subscription on their website. They couldn't require you to contact them by phone in order to cancel. The bill is currently in the Senate and has been sponsored by a bipartisan group of lawmakers so it does appear we could see the Unsubscribe Act become law sometime soon. Remaining in Washington, another proposed bill would require police to obtain a warrant before using a stingray, a device that is often used by law enforcement to collect information and monitor the phones of suspects. The stingray, which is officially called an ISMI catcher, mimics a cell tower and convinces devices to connect to it instead of an actual cell tower. Stingrays can collect data on anything a connected device sends out, including the identity key used to identify the device. One of the biggest issues with Stingray use is that data will be collected from any device that connects, including many innocent individuals. This law would require that law enforcement agencies obtain a warrant before deploying one of these devices, including explaining why other surveillance methods would not be as effective. It would also require the agency to delete data of anyone not listed on the warrant as soon as possible. The bill does leave the door open for certain warrantless uses of the technology, such as preventing a cellular detonation of a bomb, 
but would require a warrant for any surveillance use. Moving on to a state capital, Colorado is poised to become the third state to pass a law protecting the privacy of its residents. Following in the footsteps of California and Virginia, the bill has passed both houses of the state legislature and is currently at the desk of the governor, who is expected to sign it. Experts say the bill does not break much new ground, which is a good element of a state privacy law. As individual states look to protect the privacy of their residents, a large number of different regulations between state laws could create complicated situations for companies trying to stay in compliance. By sticking with the fundamentals in other active laws, the Colorado Privacy Act best provides provisions to protect the privacy of Colorado citizens. However, one of the biggest ways that Colorado's law differs from its counterparts is the universal opt-out provision. Colorado residents will be able to opt out of certain data collection in one step instead of having to do it from every company individually. It does not apply to all data collection, only to targeted advertising and the sale of data without consent. As ransomware has taken center stage as a leading threat, a new study shows that 80% of those who paid the ransom were later hit by a second attack, many of which came from the same threat group. It seems that once a victim has been identified as a target that will pay up, the victim becomes a bigger target for attack, both from the group they paid and other groups that learn about the payment. So it seems like there is very good reason to not pay the ransom demand, but that could be some bad news for the victims in some of the recent high-profile incidents where the victims have chosen to pay. And finally, the city of Brooksville, Florida made news last week after it accidentally sold its water tower to a private resident. A resident approached the city to inquire about putting a gym in an unused city building at the base of the tower. After discussion, the sale was approved by the city, but when he went to request an address for the location, he was told that the legal description of the property he purchased included the entire water tower site and not just the building he wanted. Fortunately, the man transferred the water tower property back to the city, keeping only the building he intended to purchase. However, the mistake has brought international attention to the small city for all the wrong reasons. And now we move on to the scam of the day. Today is the first day of Amazon Prime Day, where Amazon offers a series of special deals to its Prime members. And despite the singular moniker of Prime Day, it's actually two days. So for this week's scam, we're going to cover a few different Amazon scams that you could encounter. And of course, in most cases, you could encounter these scams on any online shopping site, not just on Amazon. First, you could encounter phone calls, emails, or text messages regarding a problem with your account or confirming your order. These messages will almost always contain a link for you to sign in 
in order to deal with the problem. But the link takes you to a phishing page that tries to steal your information, creating more problems instead of dealing with a supposed original one. If you get a message regarding an order or a problem on your account, go straight to the official Amazon page, Amazon.com in the US, and sign in there. If there really is a problem, you're going to be notified as soon as you sign in. Along the same line, the second scam also involves fake Amazon messages. These messages may pretend to offer a discount on a specific product or claim that you won a prize, such as a gift card. Scams involving the offer of a discount will probably abound on Prime Day when the company itself is offering so many discounts. But either way, the target in this case is almost always your credit card information. You'll be directed to a page to enter your card information in order to complete the purchase. Third, beware of fake products or sellers. These are companies that will take your money and then disappear. They often have a shipping estimate that's far out in the future in the hope that you'll forget about the purchase before the estimated arrival date. Even if you do remember it, you may also find that your options for recovering your money are more limited. If it's been too long, you might not be able to dispute the transaction with your credit card company anymore. So pay attention when you shop online. Make sure to check the reviews for the seller, if it's a third party, and the product before you make your purchase. And also pay attention to the emails, text messages, and phone calls that you receive. Don't trust something just because it claims to be from Amazon or any other shopping site. If you find a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for the Cybersecurity Pop Quiz. Each week, we ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is another true or false question. The question is, Spam is annoying, but it is not dangerous to your security. True or false? The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to submit your guess and find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you'll be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 3 in August. But your guests must be submitted before the next episode airs on Monday, June 28th. For official giveaway rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, when a receipt or deposit slip lists only the last four digits of a credit card number, that information is completely safe and you do not need to take any extra precautions. True or false? The correct answer is false. 
When a receipt lists just the last four digits, it's true that there's nothing that could be used for a direct attack. However, it is possible that information could be used as part of a social engineering attack, either on you or on others. For example, if a person calls you pretending to be your bank, you're going to have good reason to be suspicious of whether that person is actually calling from your bank. But if someone calls and says they're calling in regard to your card ending in 1234, and you realize you actually do have a card ending in 1234, you're going to be much more likely to trust that person. The same information could be used to socially engineer others to get access to your account as well. If someone calls to ask for assistance on your account and is able to provide the last four digits of your card number on file, it's going to lend legitimacy to the person's claim to your identity. In fact, in one instance, a company used the last six digits of the card as a means of verification. The person obtained the last four digits of the target's card number and then called the company and guessed the first two digits until he got it right. Obviously, repeated guesses at those first two digits would have drawn suspicion, but the person kept calling back after one or two incorrect guesses in order to avoid it. So while there's no direct attack that can happen using just those last four digits of your card, it's not information you should want exposed. I always try to make sure that any screenshots I may take do not have those numbers, and I shred any receipts that show I used my credit or debit card. And as a final note, do not ever take a picture of your credit or debit card and post it on social media. You would think this would be obvious, but as a now defunct Twitter account shows, it's not. Fortunately, the people who operated that account would report the cards to the banks before retweeting the posts. Contrary to what your mom may have told you, some things just aren't meant to be shared. A link to that Twitter account will be in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 63. Cookies. They're wonderful when they're fresh baked from your oven, but they're not so great when they're installed on your computer and used to track you. We'll discuss how to get rid of those privacy-invading cookies and keep them away from your data when we come back from this short break. Hi, it's Jim. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could follow us in your favorite podcast player. That will ensure you never miss an episode. And while you're there, We'd also appreciate it if you could rate the show and give us a review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And finally, the best review that someone can give us is to tell their friends about the show. Invite them to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send them to our website, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com, where they can find links to the show in all the major podcast players. 
Thanks for your support. And now, back to the show. You've certainly seen websites with pop-ups asking you to accept cookies in order to view the site. But I've noticed a serious problem with that. No matter how many times I say that I accept cookies, not one time has any website ever delivered cookies to me. In the world of computers and the internet, cookies have a different meaning. They don't refer to the favorite treat of a certain blue character on Sesame Street. They refer to small files that websites add to your computer. And unlike Cookie Monster, who's certainly willing to accept any cookie he's offered, you should be much more discerning about the cookies that you accept online. So what exactly is a cookie? A cookie is a small file of information that a website stores on your computer. While they've gotten a lot of attention due to the ways that many companies use them, they're not always bad. In fact, the original purpose of cookies improved your web browsing experience. When you sign into a website and tell it to remember you the next time you visit, it stores information about your account in a cookie so that it remembers you later. It may also store information you provide the site so you don't have to enter it again. For example, if you look for the local weather, the site may store the zip code you entered in a cookie so that it can automatically load the weather for that location the next time you visit. But while cookies do have a useful purpose for identifying you and personalizing your information, they can also be used maliciously to track you. For example, you might have noticed that even if you're signed out, when you search Amazon for a particular type of product, you could receive emails from Amazon about that product later. That would be considered a first-party cookie. You visited Amazon's site, Amazon added the cookie and connected it to your account, and then sent the data back to Amazon. But there are also third-party cookies. These are cookies that enable another website or service to track you. For example, when you visit a site that uses Google Ads, that site will install a Google cookie, which then sends information about your use of the site back to Google, even though it's a non-Google site. The more ads and ad networks that are on a site, the more cookies that could be installed. If you visit a website with five different ads from five different ad networks, you're probably going to get at least five new tracking cookies. Visiting my Facebook feed results in the site trying to add four different tracking cookies, not counting the ones added so the site remembers my account. So if you've ever felt like you were being watched, you're probably right. Practically everywhere you go online, you're going to encounter one or more of these cookies. Is there any place that's safe anymore? Well, certainly there is. In fact, one safe place is this podcast website, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. While the site does use some cookies to make it function better, 
It does not and will never use tracking cookies. And fortunately, many other websites are starting to adopt the same opinion. So what can you do to deal with cookies? Here are a few steps that you can take. First, give yourself a clean slate by clearing out your cookies. You'll need to do this in each web browser that you use. In all of the major desktop web browsers, you can use Control-Shift-Delete in order to access your private browsing data that's stored by your browser. Among the options that come up, you should see one to clear your cookies. And make sure that you're careful to check the time setting as well. My browser defaults to only deleting data from the last hour. While that might eliminate a few cookies, it's not going to clear out most of what's on your computer. Make sure you change it to eliminate data from all time, not just the most recent information. On your phone or tablet, the data can be cleared from the Settings app. Open the Settings app, look for the Application section, find each web browser in the list, and then delete the app's stored data. Deleting the cookies saved by your browser should give you a clean slate to start working with. But if you're not careful, you'll quickly add many of the same cookies back into your browser. So that brings us to step two. Be careful where you allow cookies going forward. Some websites will require that you allow cookies in order to view any content on their site. If you want to view the content, you have to hit the allow button. If a deny button is offered, which it often isn't, clicking it will take you away from the content that you want. However, other sites may let you continue to view content and even click on links without accepting the cookies. This is often the case when the consent comes up as a banner at the bottom of your screen. If you don't see a reason to accept cookies, it's probably best to decline it. If the site requires cookies in order to use it, then it's up to you to make the decision. You could choose to accept, or you could try to find the same or similar content on another site. If it's a current news story, you can almost always find the same information from another site that's more privacy-friendly. However, there are also sites that simply notify you about the use of cookies and state that continued use of the site constitutes your consent. And others don't use a cookie consent banner at all because they don't cater to audiences in Europe, which is where obtaining consent is required. In this case, the best thing you can do is call for backup, primarily by using a privacy-focused browser or a plugin or extension that will block tracking cookies. I use a privacy-focused browser that blocks all tracking cookies and ads by default. When I visit a site, it will tell me how many trackers the browser has blocked. If you don't want to switch to a new web browser, you can instead use a privacy extension that blocks these trackers. It works in the same way, except that it's an extension or an add-on that you install on top of your preferred browser. Blocking these trackers will increase your privacy, create a better browsing experience for you, 
and it may even help pages load a little bit faster. When there's less data being transmitted back and forth, the information you actually want can be requested and get back to you just a little bit sooner. So that's it for today. I hope you get the right kind of cookies, the kind that makes Cookie Monster go crazy, and that you stay clear of the wrong kind that track you. Come back again next Monday, where our tip will discuss how you can protect your video doorbell. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.